Hey everyone, welcome to Minimally Millennial. I'm Shelby. And I'm JP. Our intention with this podcast is to create a community for young millennials navigating adulthood for the first time. We strive to look at life with direction and purpose and want to share this vision with all y'all. Rather than avoiding the tough conversations, we want to talk about them and get them out in the open. So if you're like us and have days when you ask yourself, how the hell did I get here and what am I supposed to do next? Then you're in the right place. So together, we will unlock the secrets of adulting and try to answer the question, why did nobody tell me this shit? Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Minimally Millennial. Today, you're going to be getting a little solo episode from me, kind of extending JP and I's last conversation regarding travel and vacation. If y'all remember in our last episode, we talked about the importance of taking vacation. And when we were looking at this little mini travel series, something else that we had thought about, you know, why does nobody tell us this shit is why does no one tell us how to budget for travel? I feel like budgeting in itself is something that we are taught at least loosely about, you know, you need a budget for your expenses, for fun things, for, you know, your rent, your groceries, your food, car, gas, all these things. And I know for me personally, budgeting for those things was something pretty innate and something I've been doing since my first job. Um, But budgeting for travel was definitely something that I had to get used to, especially some of those more spontaneous trips. For those of you that can tell, traveling is like one of my favorite things to do and one of my favorite things to budget for because obviously a fun thing comes out of that. It's easier for me to find ways to budget for this rather than just saving because sometimes you don't see the money come back right away, even though saving is obviously very important. You should budget for that. You can check out any of our other financial help episodes kind of towards the beginning of our journey. But today I want to specifically focus on budgeting for travel, what it kind of looks like for me personally, what it looks like for saving for a big trip versus a small trip, you know, finding that extra cash if needed, and then some tricks on how to travel cheaply. Because I know if you're like me and you're in your mid to late 20s, it isn't always easy to take those big outlandish trips to Europe where you're staying in nice hotels and eating nice food all the time. If you like those type of vacations, that is fantastic. Um, at least for me, I really value going on experiences and seeing different places over where I stay and you know my accommodations and whatnot. So I think the biggest thing at starting this off is you know what does travel budgeting look like for you? For me anyways, it's kind of where can I see the most and do the most while still being on a budget? You know, I'm not going to Europe and have five, 10 grand to drop and see everywhere for a month or go on these outlandish vacations, but I really value getting to see different other parts of the world. And for me personally, it looks like how to make that cheap. Um, because again, I value the experience over what my accommodations look like. If that's not something for you, maybe your budgeting style looks a little bit differently when it comes to budgeting for big vacations, but kind of knowing what you're willing to give up and what is on your must have list. Like for example, if you are dead set on, I will not stay in a hostel, know that when you're budgeting, that that may be something that is an increasing cost to stay in a hotel. That's just one example, but I feel like at least traveling for me on a smaller trip, it looks a little bit different than a bigger trip. For example, in our last episode, we mentioned me going to Morocco. So I'll mention a little bit about how I broke that down. So for my trip from Morocco, 
I knew about a year in advance that I was going to go, when I was going to go, and how much it was going to cost. Some benefit that I have, and this is an unsponsored plug for under 30 experiences, which is the travel group I went to Morocco with, with a good friend. And they give you basically the cost of the trip when you're there, what the cost includes, what it does not include. So for me, my trip included all of our activities, all of our accommodations, all of our travel while we were there. So bus rides, getting to and from the airport, things like that. And then included most of our meals, a couple lunches that were not included, and then flights there. So when I was going to budget for this bigger trip, again, as my first trip to Africa, um, I looked at the two biggest expenses, which were the trip itself, which I'll be very transparent with you all, was about $1,025 for a trip about, I think it was nine or 10 days to Morocco, most things included, minus a couple lunches once I was there, and flight not included. If I remember correctly, I think my flight was also around $900 to $1,000. So we're looking roughly at like $2,000 for the base level of the trip. Add in a little bit more expenses for spending money when you're there, any emergency money, I allotted for about $2,500. And I knew I had about a year to save this much money. So I always recommend over budgeting for whatever your estimated cost is. Look at the big ticket items like your transportation, your hotel stay. And again, those trip costs up front and break it down from there since those will be your most expensive big ticket items. So again, for me, those roughly cost about $2,000. I've budgeted for about $2,500. But again, knowing me, I'm not a big shopper. I don't bring back a ton of gifts. I didn't have to allot for as much money for that. I really just allot money to bring gifts back for my family, but I'm not a huge shopper when I'm abroad. I'd rather pay money on experiences. So that extra $500 is more for the additional meals and then for any additional experiences I wanted to have while I was there. Obviously, especially when you're traveling abroad, and this is a bigger trip. So traveling abroad, I, I make a little bit of an adjustment of how much extra money I want to save for based on the exchange rate of the country I'm going to. So at least for me, when I was traveling to Morocco, I understood that the dollar was going to weigh a little bit heavier when I was there. So I knew I didn't outright have to save as much money as if I was going to say the year before I went to Scotland, I had to adjust more extra money saving, knowing that my dollar would not mean as much in that country. So that's something I definitely recommend you look into when you're budgeting to travel abroad. Domestic travel we'll get into in just a moment, but at least traveling abroad, something that I definitely recommend is again, looking at that exchange rate, looking at if you need to overshoot or if you can undershoot a little bit your expectations. My value or my opinion on the matter is that you can always overshoot and bring that money home with you. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend it, but that also gears to whether you have the self-control or not to say, I don't need to spend all of this money when I'm there because at least for me, I would rather have more money than less money, especially when traveling abroad. So that being said, again, I broke down Morocco as about $2,500 for this trip. I had about a year to plan and I knew I needed to pay it off at least two months before. So I knew I had 10 months I needed to plan out. So I did 2,500 divided by 10 months and knew I needed $250 a month. Now, granted, this is just basic budgeting, but at least for me, breaking it down like that made it one, seem more realistic and not just dropping $2,500 right out of the gate for a trip in a year. That can seem a little bit overwhelming, but the earlier you start saving for a trip, the longer you can plan out a trip. Again, if it's a year in advance, 
two years in advance, six months in advance, the longer you give yourself, the more ability you're going to have to save less month to month, which may make your budget feel less tight. So for example, the $250, at least for me, the way my budgetary regular day-to-day items works out, I have about 500-ish extra dollars a month to play around with. So for me, it means I knew it meant I was going to have to adjust my lifestyle a little bit if I wanted to only take money out of that that month-to-month regular budget I have with my standard paycheck. So I allotted, say, okay, 250 of that, of those, that extra 500 per month is going to go to, and that extra 500, we haven't talked about the breaking down of a budget, which maybe we'll do in another episode, but at least for me, that's outside of saving 401k outside. That's just the extra little bit of fun money. But for me, I said, okay, if I'm going to take that down, that cuts my fun money in half for the month. At least for me, I said, you know, I don't really want to have to cut down my quote fun money for an entire year to pay for this trip. So for me personally, I also allowed to, you know, if you have the ability for birthdays and Christmas, I said, you know, no gifts. I just want money to go towards this trip. And I was lucky enough that I had friends and family that did accommodate with that. So that additionally helped. I have a different travel budget section of my bank account. So it's something that I could easily put the money into, easily see it grow and know that I was reaching towards my goal. Now, granted, if you are saving in cash or which, you know, for that lump sum, maybe a little bit difficult, or if you don't want to keep it in a separate savings account or file or bank account online or with the bank that you bank with, you can also keep a running tally. I used to do this as well before I had multiple uh, folders in my bank account. Keep a running tally of how much you're saving so you can still tell how close you're reaching to your goal and then how much more you have left to go. At least for me, when I know when I'm planning for a big trip, if I don't necessarily want to make any or make a ton of sacrifices month to month to reach that goal. Again, any extra money I earn or have, again, birthdays, Christmas, if I worked any extra shifts, any overtime pay went directly to that trip fund. So even with that trip fund, if I happen to not spend as much that month, I put a little extra, similar if you're paying down debt or wanting to save for anything, depending on where you prioritize that, if that trip is a prioritization for for you, then you can just put all those extra that extra money towards that. I feel like I am lucky enough to be working in a field that I have the opportunity for PRN work. So being able to take some of that extra money and put it towards this trip also helped me reach my goal more quickly. I'm also someone that because I know I like to travel, even if I don't have a trip plan, I am saving a minimum amount per month to go towards a travel fund to help with either domestic travel trips or broad travel trips. So again, that's just kind of how I work around with it for me. Again, I take the rough estimate of money. Again, I always overshoot that I'm going to need for a trip, break it down by how many months I have to pay off the trip and then save it from there, break it down, extra money, so on and so forth. Now, granted that will change based off the trip, based off the cost. I usually run into more quote budgetary trouble when I'm looking at something domestic. Those are usually still relatively you know, they're not inexpensive flights to go abroad, to go domestic sometimes. Um, and they're usually a little bit more spontaneous. Any trip I've done out of the country, I have usually at least eight months to a year to plan for it. For example, I already know that I'm going to go to South Africa next year in about the same time frame as I was in Morocco. And therefore, I once again took the total cost of that trip, which this one I was estimating about three grand for. So I took the three grand 
four divided it again by about 10 months and knew and know that I need to save about $300 a month for this trip. Again, that gives me a little bit more leeway when it comes to international travel and saving up for that kind of trip. Again, the amount that you overestimate outside of your basic cost may change based off the way that you like to travel. Again, if you're not like me and you would rather have a little bit more nicer accommodations or make sure you're eating at nicer restaurants, your budget is going to look differently than mine. Mine, again, is more experience-based and getting to go to a place. Maybe in my life later on, maybe that will change, but at least for now, that is how I work around my budget. So I was saying earlier about domestic travel, that the domestic travel is always a little bit harder for me to budget because while they're not inexpensive trips, depending on where you go in the U.S., for us personally, um, it can also be, again, a little bit more spontaneous. So for example, my roommate and I had the ability to go to Bozeman, Montana in January of this year, which again was a little bit of a last minute trip, but something that we did, again, always looking for those travel loopholes, always looking for those abilities to quote, cut budgetary corners when able. And what I mean by that is looking for travel deals. Some people are really advanced in travel credit card hacking. That's not something I've personally mastered quite yet, but it's something that I'm looking into. But at least for me, for example, we were able to go on this trip because back in, I believe, September, I got a notification or had heard from a friend about a Southwest deal that was going on, basically saying if you bought any domestic flight and flew on it before November, you were able to get a get a companion pass from January to March of 2023. Honestly, this was a phenomenal deal because at least for me personally, I used that travel companion pass. I went and saw my sister in New York. The trip itself, the flight was about $180, but then the flight that we got for free for Bozeman, Montana in January we got to basically cut out one entire flight, which was $700 plus. So instead of having to pay about $750, about $750, $780 per person, my roommate and I were able to use the companion pass and split the cost of one flight together, which enabled us to be able to go on this trip. This trip was a little bit different because, again, we didn't have all of our activities planned. We knew we wanted to go skiing and snowboarding, which is a little bit more expensive, but that's something we were able to look up online beforehand and kind of look into what is our budget going to look like for this trip and how do we come up with it before this? Again, it was may we maybe gave ourselves about two months planning this trip before we left. And so we had the ability, one, it was over Christmas. So that same thing kind of looked at, hey, can this be you know, money towards Christmas presents, or again, um, working extra to try and bring in extra cash to go towards this trip. I know not everybody has the ability to work PRN, or if for those of you that don't know, PRN just means as needed, but be able to work extra or do this, it may cause you to constrain your lifestyle a little bit for those two months. So for example, for us, say for this trip, we estimated about $1,000 this is pretty easy math. We divided it by two months. We needed to figure out how to get about $500 a month for those two months. Again, we are pretty lucky. We worked extra shifts to help cut down that cost and we use that companion pass. I don't even know if we fully use the $1,000 a month now that I think about it since we split the flight, but we'll just keep it with $1,000 for simple math. So if that's the case, again, at least for me in my day-to-day -day budget or my month-to-month -month budget, I know that I typically have about 
$500 left over a paycheck. So I really constrained or could have really constrained my spending over those two months to meet the accommodations for this trip. Again, I've said this before, this kind of budgetary style isn't for everyone, um, especially the last minute domestic travel or really constraining your day-to-day lifestyle to travel. But traveling is something that's really important to me. And therefore, I realize that that kind of sacrifice is important and warranted whenever I want to go on a trip. So that's just kind of a little breakdown of both big trip saving and smaller trip saving um, and how I kind of work through that. Again, we kind of talked about bringing in the extra cash, any unexpected extra money you get, any cash you get, again, went straight to a fund. Something else that I do is any cash that I accumulate, even though cash isn't as common now, I'm talking about even the small things, any change from a bill I break, any you know extra cash that somehow I accumulated over the course, especially for my international trip to Morocco, any cash I accumulated over that year, I put in an envelope and I saved it. And it was enough to cover that extra $400 that I wanted to allow as my spending money or when I was there money. So I didn't even have to bring get out cash for the trip. And I didn't have to necessarily save that extra. I got pretty lucky with being able to have that much. And I also knew that, you know, I would cut expenses when I was there if I needed to, to meet within my budgetary restraints. Something that I think can be easily carried away with when you are traveling is that budget. It's easy to say, YOLO, we are in so-and-so, it's time to do this. And while I 100% agree with that, you know, at least for me, I don't know when I'll be back to Morocco again. I definitely spent some money to do things that who knows if I would have done that otherwise. But to me, it was really important knowing that I may never get to go back and I wanted to enjoy the experience fully. So again, Have a conversation with yourself before you travel and decide what are things you will absolutely spend money on and things that you think you could forego. Again, for me, I always prefer experiences over shopping or souvenirs. So that's an easy place for me to swap out money that maybe other people value a little bit differently. So that's just how I do it. But I want to kind of go through about 10 tips on how to budget for these types of trips. I talked to you all a little bit about what it looks like for me and how I go through that process on my own, but about 10 trips, trips, uh, tips on how to budget for a trip. I got all this from a website, website, which I will link in the footnotes of this episode about how to plan your travel budget. And it does a really good breakdown on, again, how to cut costs and where if you're traveling on a budget and don't just have money to spend when you are abroad. Again, for most of us millennials in our mid to late 20s that are trying to start jobs, travel, buy homes, start families, that's a lot of budgets to manage. So this is just how tips and tricks about how I do it and what I found from the wonderful internet. So tip number one, which we already talked talked about, is identify big ticket items. So transportation, hotel stay, and trip costs up front. We talked about that. Your biggest ticket items are going to be stay, travel, and then you know, any trip costs, if you are going on one of those pre-planned trips, I've done both where I've planned them all. And that cost was not in a lump, a nice lump sum for me. And I've been on the trips with these travel groups. So whichever one works best for you or whatever style of trip you're going on, you can accommodate your budget for that. But no matter what, always identify the big ticket items and break your budget down starting there. The other things that can be a little bit more hairy is estimating meals and drink costs slash any souvenir cost and daily cost of meals slash accommodations. Again, this varies based on what type of trip you're having, whether you are going on a pre-planned trip 
again, like I did with Morocco or my trip to Scotland, where me and my friend planned it all out from start to finish, where you're going to eat and so on and so forth. It's a little easier to estimate meals if you don't have to plan for as many of them, but if you don't have that luxury or you are planning a trip fully on your own, definitely try to estimate. Again, these are things that you can easily Google. Go on Google, search in average cost of living per day in the country you're going to or the city you're going to, average cost of a meal. A meal. I know this may seem like a very nitpicky thing, but having that rough estimate, and again, I always recommend overestimating that cost will set you up for success once you get there with less stress. And I also recognize that some people prefer a more relaxed approach to travel. So again, this is for those that probably align more with me and want more of a structured budget going into a trip. So that's basically numbers one through three. Big ticket items, estimate your daily cost of things or activities you want to do outside of those big ticket items. Number four, stay organized. Whether that is you are keeping a running tally of how much you are saving, where you need to meet, um, how much it's going to cost, so on and so forth. Stay organized. That's going to really help you, especially when traveling abroad, help you stay organized. It's transportation, so on and so forth. Whether that's a notes app, a notebook, or you got an Excel sheet. I've seen it all and I've done all of it as well. My Scotland trip, we just did a notebook and wrote down you know, all of our flight times and cost and transportation and meals. And I kept a budget in the back of that to make sure while I was on my trip, I was keeping up with the budget that I had set for myself. I've also met tra fellow travelers who have very elaborate and really awesome Excel spreadsheets that help them stay organized and on budget and again, get the most out of their trip while abroad. So stay organized. Don't forget to include the little travel expenses that you don't plan for. They're not the fun stuff. Include travel insurance. That is never a bad thing to have, especially when traveling abroad. When I travel domestic, it's a little more give or take if I think I need it. But travel abroad, I always recommend it. And it just helps cover you if anything were to happen abroad. Make sure you're reading through the policies and what fits best for you and your trip. Two, if you need any visas, if you have to get new passports for a trip, if you have to get a passport for the full time, not only is that important to budget into your trip cost, but timeline. Uh, make sure that if you're going on a trip in you know, two or three months and you need a new passport, that you're really getting on top of that because they can take quite a few weeks to get. And again, just those miscellaneous items for the trip that you may not think about overall. That is another way, a reason that I over budget for a trip, knowing that I can always bring money back but it's a little bit more difficult to overdo your budget while you're there. Number six, be flexible. I know that seems to contradict everything that I've already said in this episode, but traveling in itself requires some flexibility. Flights get canceled. They get changed. Hotel rooms get overbooked. You have to be able to adapt and prepare your budget for that adaptability. So again, my recommendation, overestimate what you think you're going to need and you won't regret it. You can always bring the money back if you don't use it all. And that way, you know you were prepared in case anything were to happen. So that's my recommendation there. Number seven, start saving early. We talked about this. Aim high, break it down month to month until your trip to help you see it in a more manageable scope than that full couple thousand dollars if you're looking to study abroad or looking to travel abroad or even domestic. It just helps make it seem more manageable to save. I honestly recommend that for any savings goal, but that's a good way to start when specifically talking about budgeting for travel. Number eight, decide what you can afford month to month and mark out how many months you need. We went into this a little bit before, but if for some reason you're going on a trip and you break it down month to month before you leave and you say, I have no idea 
how I'm going to make this much. I'm going to be able to save this much before this trip month to month. You have a couple options. Again, you have the option to, if you are you know privileged enough to have this option, put it into Christmases, birthdays, so on and so forth. Get a second job or work any extra work you can for extra money and put all the money towards this trip. Really constrain yourself on your month to month budget to afford the trip. Or at the last resort, if you look at that month to month budget and say, I really don't know if I can afford this month to month this year. Again, if you're traveling on a bigger trip, whether domestic or abroad, if you're able to put, unless it's like, you know, a preset plan date, so on and so forth, push back that date, give yourself more time. Again, the more time you have, the more manageable it's going to look month to month. Number nine, or number nine, again, all these kind of wrap into what we already talked about, but if you're able to ask for money to help, to get help for a trip, you know, go for it. If that's not something within your realm, we've talked about some of those options as well to get money to go towards your trip. And lastly, cut back in your day-to-day life if needed. It may not feel comfortable. It may not feel good, but again, prioritize what is important to you when it comes to traveling. So those are just my general tips and tricks on how to budget for a big trip. And I kind of talked to you all about how I budget personally for trips and broke it down a little bit. This last part may not be for everyone, but these are some of my tips to travel cheap. So for me, I I do value experiences over the accommodations or the nicety of where I go. Now, granted, I do always check safety, so I'm not I'm not skimping on safety. But for me, I don't care if I share a room in a hostel with people in there. Doesn't bother me, especially if I'm traveling with a friend. I don't need to fly first class, so on and so forth. So if you like to travel in a little bit more luxury. Maybe skip on through this part, but at least for me, these are some tips on how to travel cheaply. Again, be flexible with dates and destinations because that will give you not only more time to save, but can see the cheapest option. Google Flights has an anywhere option that you can sort high to, or low to high and see where it's cheapest and when to fly to different countries. So again, if you're pretty flexible, you know you want to travel, you don't have a specific trip or company you're going with, like me from Morocco, my dates are pretty set. My trip was set. I knew how much I needed beforehand and thought it was manageable for my travel budget for that trip. Therefore, I locked in those dates. If I just knew next year I wanted to travel abroad and wasn't exactly sure, I would probably work this process backwards and decide what I could afford month to month. Say I could afford, you know, $200 per month. And I know I want to go within the next year. $200 times 12 is $2,400. And I, like I said, no, I want to go in about a year. Then I would work it down backwards. Where could I go? And I could afford within the budget of $2,400 if you're more flexible. This is also a good way to make sure that you don't overshoot your destination. Say you sign up, and you say, I want to go to London, for example, next year, and I don't think I have the budget for it, so on and so forth. It allows you, working backwards, allows you to not overshoot what you can afford. You can more plan your trip around your budget rather than your budget around your trip. Both ways works, but it really depends on what you are looking for. For example, if you are going on a trip with friends, bachelorette, birthday, wedding, and it's abroad or domestic, you know when the dates are, you know what you need, that puts you in a little tighter budget constraint because you have a deadline you need to meet the budget. Whereas if you say, I can afford to save this much per month for this many months, this is how much money I'm going to have. Where can I go around that? Again, I highly recommend Google Flights or some of these travel share groups to help work around your budget if you're working backwards. Another tip, number two, is hostel or shared spaces. I've mentioned that here 
I cannot, you know, condone it enough. I personally had a great experience anytime I've been in hostels. I have heard some horror stories. Again, make sure you're really doing your homework on where is safe and has good reviews. But I believe when my friend and I were in Scotland, we paid about $30 a night for accommodations about everywhere we went, which is obviously incredibly cheap compared to a hotel that may be closer to $200 a night, even on the cheaper side. So something to think about there. Number three, pack light. Not only does it help you when you're traveling abroad, but you have less hassle when actually moving from place to place, lets you be a little bit more mobile, allows you to need less room if you are in some of those shared spaces. And quite frankly, traveling with a huge checked bag abroad, especially if you're traveling more like a traveler rather than a vacationer, is a pain in the ass. So don't waste the money to check that bag if you can fit it into a carry-on You'll be happier when you're there usually. Yes, you'll have to make sacrifices with outfits. You will live. The pictures will still look perfect. But pack light if you're able. You won't regret it, both in accessibility when you're there. Fitting into some of those shared spaces is necessary and saving money on a check bag and decreases your likelihood of losing a bag. Number four, pre-plan a combination of paid and free experiences. Lots of tourism in new places is sightseeing, which is usually free. It doesn't cost anything to walk by Big Ben or the Eiffel Tower and see it with your own eyes. Now, granted, some of these, you can if you want to go into them, you want to go to the top, you want to walk through, cost money. But again, look at your budget, look at what you can afford and prioritize. If it is your life dream to climb to the top of the Eiffel Tower, then do it, accommodate your budget elsewhere, but know when you're good to leave to make those changes when you're able to, whether you're okay to leave an experience and see it, but make a combination of paid and free experiences. If you're dishing out extra money every time you go to an experience the entire trip, it may tally up higher than you estimated and could lead to overshooting your budget. So my, that's my recommendation. Do a combination of those paid and free experiences and be there to see it. Again, that's based off how you like to travel. Getting a bang for your buck on trips. I cannot recommend Under 30 enough. It's the first travel group I have ever traveled with. So I can't speak for some of the other ones, but I know I felt like I did so much that I wouldn't have necessarily done that was included with the trip cost that at the time, the amount up front felt like a lot. But once I had did, done the trip, it felt entirely worth it because we did things like we did a Moroccan cooking class. We rode camels in the desert. We you know, sandboarded, all these things that I either one wouldn't have thought about. So it gave me a more adventurous experience, which is the way I prefer to travel. It also felt like those are things that if I would have gotten outside of a group rate would have been incredibly expensive. So think if that's what you're looking for, you like those active trips, look at something that's going to give you a little bit more bang for your buck. There's plenty of travel groups out there. Again, make sure you do your reviews and do your homework on if they fit well with you. You can save up credit card points and cash back. Again, I haven't dabbled into the pure credit card travel hacking just yet. It's something I'm working towards. But I know for me, I always get cash back on my credit card. I use my credit card quite a lot, but making sure I obviously pay it off month to month to not accrue any debt. And I used those points and cash back to go towards my trip. And I will do the same thing coming up South Africa next year. I will use the same amount of points slash cash back to go towards the trip when it gets close. It's an easy way to stack up at least a little bit of extra cash without you having to do anything. Go with a friend, split some of the expenses. It really helps if you're able to split experiences, split accommodations, split travel if you're able to. Um, for example, you have to rent a car, so on and so forth, and split meals if that's something you're able to do to cut back on cost. I've said this before, but prioritize what you want to see. 
this goes back to the Eiffel Tower example. If you're okay walking by the Eiffel Tower, seeing it, you're like, wow, I saw it. This is great. This is what I wanted to do versus is if, if it's your lifelong goal to travel to the top of the Eiffel Tower, but maybe you don't care to go into the Louvre. Don't know why Paris is the center of my example. I've never even been to Paris, but I felt like that's a good explanation of what I mean when I say prioritize the experiences you want to have. Maybe you go out for one nice dinner and you pick a couple lunches that you go to a local grocery store to have picnic type items to save money. Prioritize what is important to you on a trip. Stick to the budget, but don't be crazy about it. I said this before, always overestimate your budget trip if you're able so you have a little bit of leeway for experiences or things that you may not have accounted for when initially planning for your trip. I always embrace YOLO, but again, don't go crazy. Don't come back in any travel debt. That is unnecessary if you're able to stick to your budget. Plan for emergencies because they will happen. You may not necessarily need a hospital visit abroad. It is not a bad idea to make sure that you have access to emergency cash in case something were to occur. Because again, emergencies happen, shit happens. We're traveling abroad. You're away from your friends and family. Shit happens. So plan for that extra shit. And you should be able to, within reason, keep the trip going and not overshoot your budget. Start saving without a destination. This is something that I always do. Again, I know that traveling is important to me. I know that it's something that I'm going to always prioritize. So whether I have a trip or not, I am putting money back every month towards a trip, even if I don't know where my destination is, is yet, because I know I'll be there at some point. So that's another recommendation I have if traveling is important to you in that way, like it is for me. Lastly, allow for cash. If you have extra cash, I, instead of depositing it into my bank account, if I'm able to, I save it to use for trips. And it allows you not to make that trip to the bank before you leave sometimes to kind of help with that exchange rate before you leave for a trip. Overall, as you all can probably tell, one, with our little mini travel series, traveling is something that's really important to me, but I'm also very money savvy, or I guess money savvy maybe isn't the word, but money frugal. And I want to get the biggest bang for my buck. So we went over what budgeting for travel, both abroad and domestic, looks like for me. Again, saving for both big and small trips. How I get a little bit of extra cash or plan for that long-term additional money income to pay for a trip. How I break it down, we talked about ways to budget for a trip and tips to travel cheap. So this is kind of the episode in a summary. This was really important information that I wanted to get out to you all because it's something that has been so valuable to me and making me realize that travel is more affordable than you think. It is so hard to look at maybe your day-to-day expenses and think, how the hell am I ever going to be able to afford a $3,000 trip to South Africa? But breaking, at least for me, I know I saw that bill at first and I was like, oh shit, I have no idea how I'm going to afford that. And then sitting down and writing a budget always makes me feel like it's more realistic. But again, be realistic with your goals, ambitions, and prioritizations of the trips that you want to have. And if it maybe isn't realistic, push back your goal. It's always easier to save less month to month and kind of take away at that big ticket item before you purchase. And again, that works for anything, a car, a house, a big trip, so on and so forth. It can always make you feel a little bit more prepared, organized, and prepared for the upcoming journey ahead. So I hope you all are able to use this information and take a huge trip. If you're going on a big trip or you've used this budgetary episode to plan a trip, send us a DM, let us know, tell us how it worked for you, and then send us pictures of your trip. We would love to connect with you all. And on that note, this has been a phenomenal episode. Thank you all for tuning in. And I'll be checking in with you guys again in a couple of weeks. Bye, y'all. 
We want to thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you like what you heard, make sure to download, rate, and review. For more content from your faves, follow us on Instagram at minimally.millennial.podcast. A new episode is released every Sunday at midnight, so don't forget to set those reminders for your Monday morning commute. We'll see you next week to once again tackle the question, why did nobody tell me this shit?